0: Well good morning everyone, uh, good morning especially to those who are watching at home as well. It's so great to be back in church uh, and to be able to see so many people uh, smiling up at me through masks. I'm sure you're smiling and I can't see but I'm sure that's the case. Um, can we again say just uh, welcome to those who are watching at home with a little, uh, a little clap just to show them uh, that we're here. Uh, united together even though we're not present. It's great as well to continue to be able to partner with Emmanuel Church as we have this series together. Uh, just now seeing uh, the Waterpole family from Emmanuel lighting the Advent candle this week, uh, and to see Hilary from Emmanuel giving us uh, our, our reading from God's word. So good to be able to partner in this way. Uh, if you've not met before, my name's Anil Appadoo, and I'm the Associate Minister here at Christchurch. Um, let's bow our heads to pray as we begin. Father God, by Your Spirit working within us, convict us this morning of your great love for us, your children, as we marvel at the mystery of your Son's incarnation. Amen. So this is our second sermon in our Advent series together with Emmanuel Church, uh, where we're using uh, the Advent devotional, uh, The Christmas We Didn't Expect by David Mathis. Uh, show of hands, anyone at church reading that book a moment? Oh, good number. Oh, brilliant. So, uh, spoiler alert, uh, today's sermon is based uh, on the theme of today's reading from chapter 6, uh, Jesus is Fully Human, um, but we won't be covering the same, uh, the same material, but there will be some overlap. So, hopefully this will work well together for you. Um, what God will be showing us from his word today is this. Jesus fully shares in our humanity so that we might fully share in his family. Jesus fully shares in our humanity so that we might fully share in his family. So with that, let's dive in. The story of Pinocchio uh, is of a carpenter, Geppetto, who longs, he longs for a boy of his own. And so he lovingly carves out of wood um, a a puppet. Uh, But though uh, he can dress this puppet up, he can make his eyes shine, he can make his cheeks rosy, deep down inside himself, Geppetto knew that there was something missing that his puppet was not fully real. And so he couldn't give him the full kind of experience of a relationship that Geppetto truly wanted. Uh, Perhaps you have a similar kind of relationship. Uh, Maybe it's not with a wooden puppet, uh, but maybe something like an animal, like a faithful dog or an affectionate cat. Uh, A great relationship, but there is something missing about it, isn't Isn't there? It's not quite fully uh, the same as having a human relationship. Or maybe you've had a relationship online in the recent past, I know I've had a few of those, Um, that no matter how many emails you send, uh, no matter how much you speak to each other on a phone, or or how many uh, minutes you spend on Zoom, you know that something is missing. That relationship isn't quite fully there. It's a bit like, we could say controversial now, uh, watching church online. Sure, all the same stuff can be going on, the same words can be said and songs can be sung and prayers can be said together. But we know, don't we, deep down, that as much as we enjoy watching on the sofa in our pyjamas, there's something missing. It's not fully church. There's something not quite there. And I imagine all of us are experiencing something of this relationship gap, this hole, this missingness at the moment, aren't we? Like something is missing. Like we're not getting the full experience of our relationships with each other, with our friends, with our church family. And this matters, doesn't it? Of course it matters. We can make do for a little while with virtual church and virtual relationships. And don't get me wrong, it's a great blessing from God that these technologies are around in this generation when we need such things to help those who can't be with us together. But we know that something's missing. That as wonderful as these things are, they're not fully there. And we all long for the real thing, don't we? Because, well, it's real. And this matters in our relationship with God too, doesn't it? I mean, do we want a God up there who's distant and aloof and can't connect with us in any way? Or do we want a God who has fully experienced the full range of emotions and experiences of what it means to be human? I mean, isn't that the kind of God you want? It's the kind of God that I want. That's the kind of God we have in Jesus. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 2, and if you have your Bibles with you on your phone or or in a book, do do open it up to there. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 2, the author is at pains to show us that Jesus is fully human. Chapter 2, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. And verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human. In every way, Jesus fully shares in our humanity. And what I want to do in the time that we have left is answer two questions How does Jesus fully share in our humanity? And then why does Jesus need to fully share in our humanity? What's the point of the incarnation? And God will show us from His Word that His Son Jesus. Fully shares in our humanity so that we, his people, might fully share in his family. So first question, how does Jesus fully share in our humanity? At this point, if you're following along uh, with the book, you'll find some really helpful pointers there in today's reading. Uh, Firstly, Jesus fully shares in uh, in our humanity in his human body. Remember verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Jesus shares in our fleshy bloodness, doesn't he? Now you might be thinking that word flesh is significant, and you'd be right. It is. Remember John chapter 1, uh, uh, verse 14. The word became flesh. The word, that's Jesus, the, the very word of God, took on flesh, became incarnate. And in his body, Jesus experienced all the physical sensations that we have. The gospel writers chart Jesus' physical growth from from an infant in a manger to a a 12 year old boy in the temple to a 30 year old man. Jesus, in his fully real, physical human body, would have had to learn to walk with his parents, Mary and Joseph, cooing him along for every first step. Jesus' speech would have been trained from, from garbled gurgles to fully formed words. Jesus would have experienced puberty. He would have had his hair cut, not in lockdown, but he would have done. He would have washed the dirt and the smells of the day from the pores of his fully human skin. The Gospel writers share Jesus becoming tired, becoming thirsty, becoming hungry, becoming physically weak. Jesus' fully human hands felt the cold point of an iron nail at his crucifixion. And Jesus' fully real Fully human body was fully raised back to life, amen, to eat fish and sit with his friends before ascending to his throne in heaven. Jesus was not pretending to be human like a puppet, he is fully human. So Jesus fully shares in our humanity and his human body, but also in his human emotions. Each of the gospel writers uh, give us clear windows into. The emotional experience of Jesus. He marvels, they tell us. He's overwhelmed with sorrow in a kind of extreme depressive episode. He's deeply moved and troubled. In John chapter 11, Jesus outcries the professional mourners at the grave of his beloved friend Lazarus. Jesus loved the rich young man in Mark's gospel. He was indignant when his disciples prevented little children coming to him. He is consumed with zeal for God in the temple courts. He's compassionate. He expresses great joy. He's funny. Do you ever think of Jesus as funny? Picture a plank sticking out of a person's eye. Or imagine a camel, big and fat and fully loaded with, with uh, uh, merchandise and baggage, looking at the minuscule eye of a needle and saying, I can't squeeze through there. It's ridiculous. He's merciful. And we see that in verse 17 of our passage, don't we? Jesus wasn't experiencing our emotions secondhand like for a Haynes car manual. He is fully human. He fully experienced them. So Jesus fully shares in our humanity in his human body, in his human motions, uh, but also in his human mind. The Gospels tell us that Jesus increased in wisdom as he got older. That there were certain things that he was kept from knowing. And here now, brothers and sisters, we move deeper into the mystery of Jesus' incarnation. That somehow, in some way, we won't fully understand on this side of eternity, Jesus was at the same time both fully God, with omnipotence and omnipresence and omniscience, and also at the same time fully human, with physical limitations of his mind and his body. Both are true. That Jesus can be said in the Gospels to both know all things, And yet, at the same time, to not know certain things. Both are true. But we, in our finite human minds, aren't able to fully grasp the whole truth of it. There are some things that remain a mystery to us. And brothers and sisters, that is fine. We can relish in mystery sometimes. Jesus wasn't pretending not to know certain things to act like us, who aren't geniuses most of the time. But had a genuinely finite human mind. He is fully human. So Jesus fully shares in our humanity, in his human body, in his human emotions, in his human mind, and finally, in his human will. Uh, now here, uh, there is much debate and theological wrestling over how this aspect of Jesus' humanity works out. Uh, and as we just said, with our finite human minds, we can't fully expect to grasp this on this side of eternity. But we do see clearly in the Gospels, Jesus exercising a human will... That is separate to his divine will. Jesus says in John chapter 6, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, his Father. And again in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus wrestled with himself to be obedient to the will of his Father, he cries in Matthew 26, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, Jesus, along with his Father and Spirit, planned his cross, resurrection, and glorification before the creation of the world. One divine will united around one divine purpose. But, remember, brothers and sisters, Jesus fully shares in our humanity. He had lived a fully human life, body, emotions, mind, and will for 33 years or so. He knows the weaknesses of the human body. He knew the torture of a Roman cross, having seen it passed him so many times. Although this part of the, our salvation was planned before time, it was Jesus, the God-man, who had to endure it in his body. So Jesus fully shares in our humanity. And, and brothers and sisters, isn't this a great comfort to us? When you are in physical pain or have a debilitating, lifelong physical sickness, you can cry to Jesus who genuinely experienced all the sensations of your human body. When you are in emotional distress, you can cry out to Jesus who genuinely experienced the full range of our human emotions. When you feel inadequate, you can cry out to Jesus who genuinely experienced the finitude of our human minds. When you agonize over trying to live the way that God wants you to in your decisions, you can cry out to Jesus who genuinely wrestled to keep his human will in line with his divine will. Our God is not distant or aloof or far off. He is fully human in every way. This is how Jesus shares in our humanity, body, emotions, mind and will. But I guess the question we're left with is, why did Jesus, why did God need to share in our humanity? So that we might fully share in his family. Brothers and sisters, this is crucial for us to grasp. A big theme of this section is Jesus as a high priest. And how it is his humanity that enables him to be the perfect high priest, verse 17. And that follows all the way through to chapter 10 of Hebrews. We've also seen that being fully human allows Jesus to to make atonement, or more accurately, an old word, propitiation, for the sins of the people, for, for our sins, verse 17. We have the defeat of the devil in verse 14. And with it, it's liberation from our slavish fear of death, verse 15. Don't we need that right now? There's so much in these few verses that I haven't got time to unpack. So uh, give praise to God as you read over it and pray over it. But let's focus together on one thing very briefly. And that is the glorious relationship with God that Jesus won for us by being fully human. Did you catch, as, as the reading was read, did you catch the familial language, the family language that's, that's peppered throughout this section? Verse 10, sons and daughters. Verse 11, both are of the same family. Verse 11, 12, and chapter 3, verse 1, brothers and sisters. Verse 13 and 14, children. Verse 16, descendants. There's a lot we could say here, but essentially the truth we need to grasp today is this. Jesus fully shares in our humanity so that we might fully share in his family. You see, millennia ago, God created his first fully human child, Adam. And God was in perfect relationship with Adam and his wife, Eve. But when Adam and Eve sinned by obeying the words of the devil over the voice of God, that relationship was completely severed. And that severing, that brokenness, has stretched to every part of existence in this world today. We know that, don't we? But by God himself, being fully human, as we've seen, in the person of his son, Jesus, Jesus was able to demonstrate full obedience to the voice of God for every moment that we disobey God. Let me show you what I mean from verse 18 of this passage. In verse 18 of our passage, the author to the Hebrews writes this. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You see, Jesus, staring down the road of agony to the cross on the night before he died, had to genuinely prepare his fully human body with his fully human emotions, uh, will and mind for the brutality that would lie ahead in prayer. So severe was Jesus' mental wrestling that the blood vessels under the skin of his forehead burst, causing Jesus to sweat drops of blood. We don't often say this, but Jesus was tempted to walk in the other direction from the cross. This was a genuine temptation for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had to wrestle. Earlier in his ministry, we see Jesus being tempted by the devil to test God. We see the devil using Jesus' own family to tempt him to give up his ministry. We see the devil use Peter in an attempt to get Jesus to save himself. Time and time and time again, Jesus was actually tempted, genuinely tempted, to disobey the will and words of his father. Just like you and I do, over and over and over again. But brothers and sisters, where Adam failed... Where you and I constantly fail, Jesus never did. Not even once. The author of this letter goes on to write in chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses as we've seen. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, every way that we are tempted, yet... Yet he did not sin. Adam, the first fully human, failed to be obedient to God. We, brothers and sisters, fail to be obedient to God. But Jesus, the first fully human God-man, never did. Brothers and sisters, it is Jesus' sinless, fully human life of perfect obedience to his Father that meant that his death could make a full and complete propitiation atonement for the sins of all people and all we have to do to receive the benefits that Jesus won for us is to repent and believe in him and in doing so the glorious truth is that we are joined in the perfect eternal relationship of a father loving his son in the love of the Spirit. we can fully share in Jesus' family And as a seal, a sign, a deposit of that heavenly future, God himself comes to live inside of our fully human frail bodies with our weaknesses, with our brokenness, with our emotions, our minds and wills that are broken in the person of his spirit. If you are a Christian sitting here today in church or at home, God himself is living inside of you right now. And joining you spiritually with me, with everyone here and every believer around the world that's part of his family. Brothers and sisters, this is absolutely glorious. The incarnation of the Son of God as fully human is mind-blowingly glorious. Let me end on one thought. When you believe in Jesus, when you recognize that you have failed to live the way that God wants you to, and when you turn to Jesus who lived a perfectly, fully human life in your place. Do you know what God says about you? Verse 11. Jesus says, Oops, easy. Jesus says, I am not ashamed to call you my brothers and sisters. Jesus is not ashamed to have you as part of his family. No matter what you've done, however bad you think you've messed up. He is not ashamed of you. You are now his brothers and sisters. Because of what he has done for you in our place. He's not ashamed of you. He's promised to never let go of you. That's a real full relationship. Without anything missing. Realer than a puppet. Realer than a pet. Realer than a a digital friendship. Realer than virtual church. That is God with us. Emmanuel. And by his spirit, us with each other. So my brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Who shares fully in our humanity so that we might fully share in his family. Please bow your heads to pray. Oh, Father God, I don't know how we're feeling this morning. I don't know how we're feeling at home or here in church. But I know there are times where you feel distant to me, where you feel out there and other and apart from me. Where it feels I cry out to you, God, and, and, and you can't hear me or, or you don't really know what I'm going through. Lord, by your spirit, cleanse me of these, these thoughts. That as I delight in the glorious truth of your word, as I delight in the wonder of your humanity, this Christmas, as God came down, that you would wax into my heart the truth, our hearts the truth, that you were fully human. That you shared every experience of my emotion, my body with its weaknesses, my minds and my will. And Lord, that in doing so, you were sinless where I'm not, where we are not. And in a perfect life of obedience to your Father, you walked the road to the cross. Your word says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. Father, it was for the joy of winning us as your brothers and sisters that you are not ashamed of, that you took on the cross. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you. Wherever we are today, however we feel this week, wax this truth into our hearts. Use us as believers to remind each other, brothers and sisters, of our family, of our Savior. And convict us, Lord, of your humanity, that in every situation we would cry to you, Lord, we thank you, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.